If you had the chance, would you change the world? Welcome. I am your host, Ebony Gustav, and this is Cooperative Journal, where I interview mutual aid initiatives and cooperatives from around the world who are creating alternatives to our current economic system. Fairmondo is an online marketplace owned by its local users currently based in Germany. It is an ethical alternative aiming to compete against Amazon's extractive model. With a membership of around 2,200, they are steadily expanding towards their goal to create a global cooperatively owned online marketplace. They prioritize fairness, respect, commitment to transparency, and fair trade products. In this episode, I speak with founder Felix Weth about the online marketplace they're creating to give buyers an option to engage with an economy they can trust. He shares the voids they're filling in the current marketplace, their multi-stakeholder membership structure, what kinds of products they offer, how they raise capital, and how they plan on increasing scale to compete with Amazon. Hello, Felix. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to learn about Fairmondo and how you guys creating this ethical online marketplace uh, that is an alternative to some of these bigger corporations like Amazon. So can you please share what Fairmondo is and the inspiration behind it? Yes, basically, Fairmondo is an online marketplace uh, where people can buy and sell stuff. Um, We have professional sellers who um, maybe specialize in in fair trade or or organic products. We also have a large offer of books, um, which we started uh, catering ourselves. And we um, also have private people selling things using the platform as just like a free marketplace tool to sell your secondhand stuff. And um, the core difference to all the other marketplaces around is that we are cooperatively owned by the users and the employees. So that's the core model. And that's also kind of the reason for its existence um, because we wanted to create a marketplace that um, is not owned by some some distant investors and um, that is uh, subject to the dynamics of um, well <clears throat> of, of uh, investment and the, the needs for growth that come with it but rather um, serves the users and uh, respects the employees and uh runs according to some principles that can be enforced by all members um or at least uh, can be kind of uh asked for and, and supervised um so that's the basic model um then yeah since it's not an easy thing to do to start a marketplace uh, in particular in this field where there's so much competition and so much money going around uh, trying to buy the market um so we try to be creative uh, starting new smaller projects like a subscription program for fair trade coffee and fair trade chocolate or um right now i'm personally involved in creating a 
marketplace full of shops that specifically just serving local small stores um, that want to also offer online delivery and with delivery by cargo bike. Um, so to create a kind of sustainable logistics system for the local shops. Um, also, of course, in a competitive market where uh, in particularly in the field of groceries, there's a lot going on right now. So um, yeah, these are the basic projects. That's very cool. Uh, I love the idea of supporting the logistics of transport with local businesses and doing it in a sustainable way by using cargo bikes. Uh, and especially since the pandemic happened, it's like, okay, how can we make these goods even more accessible to the local community? And so it seems like some of the voids you're filling in our traditional online marketplace are you have a set of principles that you abide by it's cooperatively owned so it's made by and for the members um can you explain any other voids in the online marketplace that you guys are filling yeah i think um so one of the the issues is that um I think people are craving more connections, um, in particular in times when a lot is moving to online and um, a lot is moving to kind of digital transactions, uh, which is handy and comfortable and uh, easy, but which also um, reduces social interaction. And um, I believe that we, um, can fill this gap um, by involving, for example, local shops, but other local places, community places, spaces um, to facilitate the transactions, to actually uh, work more with um, kind of interactive drop-off points um, where then you don't just pick up your parcel, but, or your, <clears throat> your basket of, of, of goods, but you also maybe meet people and have other offers. Like it could be a bookshop or it could be a cafe. Um, and we are trying things there. Um, I think this is um, a point to, to work on because um, I think like the future should look like that. And uh, many people um, are appreciating so far what, we, what we're trying, um, what we're testing at, at, at small scale right now. Um, and I think uh, the other big thing that we can do is cooperation with existing uh, structures and um, doing it in, 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 at an eye level and at uh, true co-ownership. And I think um, this gives us support from, or at least open, uh, open arms from local authorities. We, we're talking to, to municipalities, uh, to some extent to parliamentarians, um, who believe that um, they want to support the city and the <clears throat> liveliness of, uh, yeah, of, the, of, of the town, of the city. And um, also the small shops, for example, they really appreciate uh, actually not being just subscribing to, to another platform, but rather being part of, uh, of the owner um, community and uh, being able to 
to co-shape what's happening and also to kind of know that it's not going to be sold out. Um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I think creating a, a bridge to the gap that you were talking about between social connection and uh, the connectivity that we're creating online in person is so important. And there's actually a, a collective called Cargonomia based in Budapest where they also do cargo bike deliveries, but they have like a pickup hub. And so it, at this hub, they also have lectures, they have a garden, like they ha they're creating like this community space around the pickup point. So that could be something cool to incorporate too. And um, also, I think that that's really key that you're, su again, supporting local businesses because bigger online marketplaces are actually taking away business from small businesses like people are going in there maybe scouting out a product and then googling it to see where they can find it cheaper so giving them another platform where they can sell their goods is so so important and yeah go ahead yeah no i believe that um this is a crucial issue and i think um this whole question of ex extraction of value and of um breaking these circles um or keeping local economies local and um and keeping the the value within the community i think that's that's a crucial thing which is a reason why we're now also working on introducing some kind of local currency based on a voucher system and um i think this is another option how to uh, combine projects and uh, have common yeah have a common currency have a common uh, tool to to facilitate the exchange um, and there again we are working with other projects who, who are working for example on uh, a basic income scheme uh, for communities and who are working on um, see like uh, facilitating uh, uh, products from CSAs, from community-supported agriculture projects, uh, from farms who are um, collaboratively working and uh, <clears throat> enabling people in the city to, to buy directly from farms. Um, there are these projects. Um, it's a lot to do. <laughs> um, for example, next month we're going to have uh, some kind of network meeting amongst the different players in Berlin who work on in the field of logistics or alternative sustainable logistics, um, because there are so many. And uh, and on the other hand, it's crucial to collaborate. It's crucial to um, because we also need to reach some scale. Um, but then, yeah, the core point is how to make it in a way that it not becomes another big player that centralizes everything and and takes everything into one hand um so um yeah i'm really looking forward to these discussions and uh, to creating a network structure together um so i'm also really happy about or keen on learning about similar projects in other cities um yeah i think uh, that's then the next step, how to connect the different cities. 
how to transfer the models, learn from each other, uh, support each other. That for me is actually the the real challenge right now is um, how can we uh, take these models that run already and the infrastructure that we created and transform it, uh, transfer it, and uh, yeah, and at the same time pool the resources to to create um, something that's strong enough to to make a difference um, against big players who push more towards the extractive side. Right. Yeah, it's, I think the collaboration is what will create a robust model because those, these bigger corporations that are in power right now, like one small company doing it by themselves, it's going to be incredibly difficult, almost impossible to compete. But if we create a more collectivized power instead of everything being siloed, then that, I think, will create a robust model that is really competitive. And having peer-to-peer support networks, like what you were saying, how can we learn from each other, teach each other? If we've already built a model that works, uh, how can we adapt it to other places? And so... Speaking of scale, how many members does the cooperative currently have? Yeah, so in Framondo, we have like around 2,200 members. Um, and then, yeah, in the new project, uh, we're, uh, we're not yet at the, at the uh, situation of community building. We're, we're really testing this local shop system right now. So we work with a few shops. Um, we have a dozen shops uh, that are now because we we build a specific system to synchronize the the inventories, and um, that was that was one of the bottlenecks at Farmondo where we had a lot of members sellers who were ready to join who felt it's it's a good project, but who were kind of yeah hesitant to to commit too much because um, it became too much work and too much technical uh, investment. So um, that's for me the next step right now to really provide the small sellers, small producers, small shops with um, uh, well tools to synchronize their, their inventories, their, um, their set of project, products um, and to you know, combine different data formats help them even to organize their data, um, help them even with uh, so-called ERPs, enterprise resource resource planning systems for um, for making their their shop a little easier to use or less work um, from the digital point of view <clears throat> um, from the organizational point of view so that you have more time to talk to, to actual customers. Um, and uh, also to make it easier to, to use these online platforms. Because that that's really, for me, the, the thing that slows everything down and where um, the small really have the challenge. You know, Amazon has one big system and then they enforce their system on, on all other small sellers that use Amazon Marketplace and they have uh, fulfillment by Amazon. So they also offer this 
the standardized system to everyone. Um, and that makes them really powerful. And um, I believe we have to think that way um, to really help the small, diverse uh, actors, uh, shops um, who oftentimes, you know, develop their own little system, um, adapted it to their needs, um, which then makes it a little more difficult to, to integrate it with others on one platform. So there's the challenge, but we're, the good thing is we're collaborating there with um, another software company um, from another town in, in Germany, who've been doing this also since uh, some years. And um, yeah, together I'm, I'm quite looking forward to, um, to, to develop the right systems. I think that's from the technical point of view, <laughs> that's our challenge right now. And also our focus, like we're right now more on, in terms of, instead of re increasing the community, we're looking into improving our capacities and improving our service um, so that we then can more easily increase the community and, and uh, serve their needs. Um, because the, the proof of concept is for me, it's there and the, the people are, interested um, but if you have a big membership um, it also means a bigger responsibility it means a lot of uh, feedback to to reply to and so on and um, yeah I don't think we're there yet uh, to like really offer that at a large-scale platform um, but we're on the way logistics is definitely so important because I think that's like the main competitive advantage that something like Amazon has is the seamlessness and the convenience of it mm -hmm. and so you guys have the worker members you have members that are just a part of the online marketplace and then you have the local stores so that's a lot of yeah like you said feedback to take into consideration. So what is the process of doing that? How are you making decisions? How do you ensure everyone's voice is being heard? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I don't think we have the perfect model yet there um, because it, it comes down to who gets mostly involved, like practically, um, who takes the time. Um, we have active members in the forum. We have um active partners who really make an effort to um, help developing things we have working groups um and um there are tools like lumio and others that help um yeah um, taking decisions together although i don't yeah, I don't feel we have the right model yet for, for taking everything into account, in particular because the different levels of involvement and of the uh, air yeah, of like distractions that people have. And it's so easy to kind of forget a group of members or to uh, listen more, more to those who, are, who have more time and um, or more access. So, um, what we did in the time, uh, in certain times, uh, when we were very active in community management was really reaching out actively and sending out ambassadors to places um, 
to, to um, on the one hand, have discussions about our model and our project um, so that we could have in-person discussions. And there was, uh, I think, an, a nice way of reaching out to a membership that is spread across the country. Um, here with a new project that's focusing on Berlin at the moment, um, it's a little easier in theory um, because we we're all in Berlin. Um, we visit the shops. Um, we have a co-working space we created in the in our office. We created a co-working space where we also run events where there are other projects and organizations, um, and where we have uh, space for for uh, well um, organizing meetings, meetups. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, and I don't know, for me, it's, a, it's still a challenge to use digital tools appropriately. Um, we have a, um, we are a part of a network now, the Platform Co-op Germany network. Um, and there, um, one of the partners in the network um, is a developer cooperative who have developed um, a decision-making tool specifically for the German law for general assemblies for co-ops. Um, we haven't used it yet, but I'm really looking forward to use that. So, because we've been running digital digital um, general assemblies using mainly a forum kind of format, and it's quite draining to have like two weeks of discussion phase and one week of decision phase, um, <clears throat> and being you know involved all the time and moderating all the time and having the all the issues that you get in like online discussions with uh, a few members maybe being a little on the rough side or uh, on the tough side in terms of their opinions and scaring away some other ones who might not want to get involved in such discussions. So um, I, I always appreciated like a few of our general assemblies we did um, in person or in, uh, in uh, life uh, on the place um, even though for germany-wide cooperative um, that's that excludes or so makes it hard for some members to join um, we also decided like some some assemblies we we had um, online the official assembly but then an offline meeting for those who wanted to join and we recorded the meeting or live streamed the meeting um, yeah, but I don't think we have the ideal format yet. So really, that for me is an ongoing challenge where we also see other co-ops doing amazing uh, pioneer work. Yeah, I I can imagine that's really difficult, especially just getting people to stay engaged. That's good that you guys have like mm -hmm. this co-working space and you're trying to build community around it because especially with an online marketplace and the members being in all different parts, uh, it can be hard to feel like you're a part of this community and that you should be investing your time to share your opinion. And then moderating all of those people on an online forum, that sounds crazy to do. <laughs> like, that, yeah. I can imagine that taking so much time. And yeah, I'm curious. I, I'd be curious to... Uh, 
see your journey and how you figure that out and like finding common ground between all of those different members, stakeholders. It's an interesting thing that, um, well, the pandemic has um, had the effect, for example, that um, German lawmakers uh, made kind of an emergency solution that co-ops could have uh, digital assemblies. And um, so there, the law was opened up to some extent. Um, we could have them before, like we had them already in our statute, but even if you didn't have it in your statute, you could, uh, or in your, your bylaws, you could have uh, general assemblies now. And so a lot of or bigger and more classic co-ops um, were also holding uh, digital general assemblies. There were new tools developed, new uh, ways figured out. And what I've been observing is that um, the whole idea of um, yeah having live streamed or online general assembly um, at a certain point in time uh, is to me the more effective way of organizing it um, rather than what we did with the uh, forums, which was kind of due to the German co-op law. And um, so let's hope that this, I mean, there, there actually, um, there's a whole initiative of, uh, of different actors, uh, co-ops uh, to lobby and uh, to make sure that this will remain law and remain, uh, um, an option for co-ops to, to have online general assemblies in this way and to, to digitize more, uh, more actively was also one of the, the issues was in, in particular in Germany, we have that issue that we need a hand-signed um, membership form for becoming a member and send it in by post. And this process uh, for many people, particularly younger people, yeah, it's just like an obstacle that is completely unnecessary and uh, that kind of takes spontaneity and uh, works against the, the trend of digitalization and everyone, you know, just using their phones to do things. Um, so, um, yeah, I think we're moving. I think we're moving too slow in terms of these uh, legal frameworks. It's a pity. Um, that's the German perspective in particular. I guess in other countries, it's more progressive um, or more flexible. Um, but I think uh, these kind of tools, like the real tools to facilitate exchange among members. And um, that's what I believe, like community activities and community feeling that I think uh, is, is, is a, common, a common challenge where we really can learn a lot from, from other projects and even projects that don't uh, call themselves cooperatives, but are great at community work. And um, so, uh, yeah, um, I'm really excited to see um, how, you know, as a movement, we're advancing on, on different, uh, different levels. As I said, like for us, the concentration really right now is about uh, the less interesting part of logistics and inventory systems and synchronizing data. But um, I believe that, uh, yeah, once we're there, we can also then um, help pushing the community aspect again, because 
for me it's all about taking away these kind of uh yeah um practical burdens uh logistical burdens um business related burdens work and leaving more time for interaction yes absolutely and yeah i hope that german law evolves with the times uh because yeah it is strange that you are a online platform cooperative but everyone has to have a handwritten signature in order to become a member and i'm yeah. curious to know what are some other member requirements um and also like how do you what's the process of becoming a member and what are some of the values that members have to abide by in order to um, mm -hmm. stay on the platform? So basically, um, you, well, you have to buy a share, which we reduce to 10 euros right now. Um, so um, it's, it's in cooperatives in the German law, you have to have at least one member share um, to own a share of the company. Um, so we have uh, two basic values that um, are in our in our bylaws, um, or it's not just two. It's the um, fairness, respect, um, commitment to transparency that that we have in the bylaws, but uh, we don't um, control members um, in that extent, uh, that respect. So we have an open membership. Um, approach because the idea is rather that anyone can become a member and then um, hold the cooperative to account. Um, in terms of offers or what you offer on the marketplace, that's a different story. Um, there we have uh, some policies in place, um, but they are also like pretty general. Um, yeah, avoiding anything in terms of. Uh, violence or discrimination or uh, so also members can uh, can kind of uh, how do you say um, well <clears throat> raise their concerns if they're um, not happy about certain certain products on the marketplace um, but we rather try to have a positive positive screening so we have filters where we positively select um, fair trade products that commit to certain policies, um, have certain labels or um, fill in certain uh, information about their um, supply chains and so on. So um, we rather uh, try to promote the good stuff and um, only the very bad stuff uh, will be taken from the platform um, because we after all want to reach to to a larger audience that is maybe not as focused on just sustainability and fair trade as uh, some are also i mean if you look at the um the markets and, and what's on offer not for all types of products you have much alternatives um and if we want to compete with amazon at some point um we can't restrict ourselves to a niche of like fair trade chocolate um, or coffee or uh, yeah, whatever is uh, where, where there's quite a variety and uh, advanced offer of 
you know, um, of better products. But um, I also like the idea of an ongoing discussion, like of leaving it to members and to those members who are concerned about certain products that, uh, that then shape um, the offer on the marketplace. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, and I want to come back to that uh, in terms of like competitive advantage and how you can compete. But I would love to know a couple of examples of businesses that are on the platform. Like what kind of products are yeah. being sold on there? Yeah, so um, one of the, well, best sellers, I, I would say, was the Fairphone, um, where there's now the third iteration since last year, um, or before last year, but um, the last year they had the third plus uh, iteration, so an update. And they are basically building an alternative to the smartphone um, using fair trade materials, um, a repairable smartphone, which makes it much easier to, uh, I have it here, um, it's called Fairphone. Um, it's a, yeah, it's just one of the nice projects where they put a lot of effort into making a product that is more um, sustainable after all and um, as I said repairable so if you have an issue with the camera you exchange the camera and not the phone um, and um, they have these modules that you can repair by yourself um, so you just need a screwdriver which they even send with the phone so um, it's uh, it's pretty well done um, in particular the third iteration but um, otherwise the main type of product is books and there, um, one of our members basically handed over their business to, to Fermondo and um, books are a commodity that are sold online a lot. Um, and even though many of our members say they would rather go to local bookshops, um, we felt um, it's useful to provide those who want to order online with, a, with the opportunity to, to go for uh, for a platform that is more sustainable, um, we see it more like a like an engine to um, to help uh, providing a platform then for other products. Um, and also books, in my view, I mean I love books, so to me it's a good product because after all, it's about transfer of knowledge and about uh, culture. Um, one thing we are working on again with another project is um, taking this to the next step and cooperating directly with um, writers and local bookshops and uh, influencers potentially um, who are writers in the sense of making a little more money of their own books um, and uh, local bookshops in terms of not losing too much of their business to to Amazon and the likes. Um, in Germany, Amazon is covering a big share of the book market by now. And I guess in the US it's similar or even uh, probably even more drastic. <laughs> um, and I believe like local bookshops are really part of, of culture, of uh, like places of exchange. Many of them have already adapted, uh, have created cafes and um, just beautiful places to be. 
um, but suffered also extremely from the pandemic. Um, so for us, this uh, this should, this is one of our new projects, um, really involving the the local bookstores, the writers, um, having a again this kind of voucher system <clears throat> that can be used on the platform, but also in the local shops. And um, <clears throat> it's a, it's in the making. So um, this is like we're testing it. We have the the technology now um, to to provide the vouchers, to provide it as an app, provide it as a like a little card um, that you can you take and and go to any bookshop or any participating bookshop and um, use that voucher card to pay. So. Um, yeah, there's it's a whole story behind it, but uh, um, I believe that we need this kind of synergies, uh, cooperate cooperation between the smaller shops and the platforms, um, and also to help the the shops to participate in the value created on the platforms, because uh, people will shop more online, and will order online, and yeah, the easier it is to to then buy by um, at a local shop at your favorite bookshop maybe even online um and um if it if you don't find the book on the place there you get it uh, from somewhere else but you still support the shop maybe um i think this uh, this is the future <laughs> yes and i think also yeah, bookstore is a perfect way to build that social connection and community because then you can have book clubs, you can have authors come and do readings, uh, you can mm -hmm. really center uh, event schedule around the bookshop and create an experience for people because then that's what will drive people to support this bookshop over getting something online because they see that it's adding value to their lives and their community. Yeah. And um, I'm curious to know how you guys raised the capital to create and sustain this platform, especially with all of the projects that you're doing and all of the logistics that is going into it and the tech know-how. Uh, that must be really expensive. Well, um, so in the beginning, to because we created an open source uh, marketplace solution for Famondo to have uh, a tool that is open source that can be used by others. Um, and to do this, um, we did crowdfunding. We used crowdfunding or crowd investing, raising member shares through a crowdfunding platform. Um, there was a, back in 2013 when we had our major first campaign on then we had a few more campaigns in between to increase membership and to raise member capital. Um, now for the new platforms and the kind of next steps, um, we decided to kind of outsource this, um, started with the new um, companies that uh, are also eligible to, to certain funds. So for example, for the local platform, now we got some, some government funding. Um, and um, for me, the core thing is to have um, 
Yeah, to have uh, a system that ensures that the cooperative ownership uh, is not uh, how to compromised. <clears throat> so um, in this case, for the local platform, we started now as like a classical company, but already have inbuilt into the, the contracts um, the um, yeah, the commitment to um, uh, to cooperative ownership um, if we once we scale um, because it's it's one of the learnings from from starting Famondo was that um, if you have a big membership from the beginning um, all putting in quite substantial investment I mean the average was around 250 euros but some people invested up to 10,000 euros um, it's quite a lot of private money um, of people um, that then uh, rests on your shoulders in terms of responsibility and also um, yeah in terms of stakeholders who you have to be accountable to uh, and if you make mistakes or have to take certain decisions um, sometimes uh, people have different opinions and then even though maybe there's a majority um, people might be upset and um, I think it's uh, for me, it feels better right now to um, try to raise uh, funding from different sources with a classic company that uh, is eligible to, to certain uh, yeah, um, uh, sources that we weren't eligible with a cooperative legally or uh, from a point of view. I mean, we're not we're not attractive to classical investors anyways, because we have that clause that it's going to be owned cooperatively. So they won't have the big exit and they won't have the unicorn. Uh, um, so the VCs, the classical VCs, uh, yeah, aren't interested, but there are um, people who are more open and have other values that they are, that they want to support. Um, yeah. So we're exploring there. I can't say that we found the perfect solution, but I feel that we're really on the right way right now. Um, also, we realize that um, the people who join in as co-founders um, come from more classical uh, business or, for example, marketing background, um, and then uh, are looking for yeah, a social business, uh, something with a purpose, um, and after all, find the, this cooperative perspective very convincing, um, because it it uh, after all creates uh, authenticity, um, or you can you can make certain commitments and say this is a part of our structure, it's part of our path, um, and this this is not just talk and not just our nice mission that we wrote somewhere. But uh, it's going to be, uh, yeah, it's part of, of the um, <clears throat> legal conditions. Um, yeah, uh, but hey, the, for me, this is a core challenge uh, for many of the projects. I've been talking to so many other founders, um, teams, cooperatives who are struggling in that respect of um, how to raise sufficient capital. Um, how to finance uh, a particular development of 
of platforms and um, yeah, tech development. Um, that's that's a that's an ongoing challenge. Um, but I feel also we are doing better now in terms of uh, cooperating with other like-minded uh, projects. So, for example, as I said, like for this um, local shop marketplace, we're working with a developer. Uh, we're working with a developer cooperative and a developer company, and they are <clears throat> uh, they're having very similar values and uh, they're very supportive of the whole idea of uh, making stakeholders to co-owners. Um, mm. yeah. I really, I like that. Um, and yeah, it takes the power completely out of just these like faceless stakeholders, but gets them involved in the process. Uh, so yeah, it's interesting. And also I think the government just needs more uh regulations that are in favor of cooperatives like how can we support cooperatives financially uh maybe there's local banks or credit unions that could support a project like this as well outside of like-minded businesses uh so right now you guys are only based in germany right but what are your plans for expansion how do you plan to scale towards something like Amazon? <laughs> yeah. um, so um, we did try to co to um, to work with the team in, uh, in the UK, which unfortunately didn't work out for basically, I would say, technical reasons, maybe some uh, issues with the local demand and um, like the market um, they were really focusing on fair trade products and sustainable products and it didn't really kick off um, for me it definitely has to be a decentralized approach so we're not gonna uh, you know enter new markets we're gonna transfer our model um, and that's what we build it for and put the open source solutions for that others can pick it up and build it, make it their own and adapt it to their needs. Um, so, and there are constantly requests coming in of communities or individuals who say like, yeah, um, let's do this in, in Brazil. Let's do this in uh, Catalonia and Spain. Um, and then uh, some are having their own solutions some are kind of in the waiting list um because right now i believe uh yeah my, my learning really is um we have to be technically uh at a level to to provide service and to provide uh, to really make it easy for new teams and communities to set this up um so this is what we're that i my personal um, aspiration is to, to be able to provide software as a service, to provide consultancy, um, even marketing support if necessary or networking support. Um, there are other projects who are already uh, providing some tools um, like ShareTribe, which unfortunately is not a co-op but still has good values. Um, there are other actors who uh, 
help um, organizing your community so um, or help uh, facilitating exchange within communities like circles who are doing this basic in income project for communities. Um, once we have this in place, like an integrated marketplace solution with a payment and a voucher system um, with the right uh, interfaces to, to, to ERP systems and inventory management systems, um, then I, I believe we can really scale this. And, um, but scale it in a decentralized way with um, a lot of local co-ops um, at many levels, city level, sub-city level, very regional, local, uh, rural level, um, or even national level, whatever comes up in terms of communities and teams, um, but always locally owned, always locally controlled, um, with common software development, common knowledge facilitation, um, and yeah, hopefully common goals. Um, yeah. Yeah, it seems like uh, maybe some of the limitations to scale right now are just creating your one robust model that has all of the logistics in place, has all of the partnerships in place so that you can be a template for others because that is a lot to deal with, especially not knowing the local landscape of these other countries and you guys are creating a model that might not necessarily fit depending on like what laws they have and how can they access funding where they are. So yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a lot to figure out before expanding, but it seems like you guys are doing a great job of trying to solidify it, at least in Germany. Yeah, and at least we're not working in a silo. We're really in exchange and contact with other projects. Um, it's really great to see what's happening in other places. Um, yeah, and I believe like um, the good thing about software development is also you don't set up one marketplace and then it's there. It's an ongoing project. It needs to be developed all the time and adapted. So um, there's going to be this adaptation anyways. Um, and the more modular you design your framework, the the better you are also locally so um i'm pretty pretty optimistic actually that uh, we're getting there and we're also getting uh, better at fundraising at getting the right resources for this um right now it's all about improving the uh the pilots and um yeah and having having a scalable model yeah and there's no rush because amazon's just gonna I mean, I guess there's a rush in the sense of Amazon's going to keep continue growing, but there will always be a need. So it's not a rush in terms of like, there won't be a need like there, you're going to just keep getting more requests for people to create a model like this, because people are looking for alternatives. The more that um, Amazon's internal relations are being put on blast the more people are like i don't want to support something like that and they're looking for something else and that's really where you guys come in and so for my last question i would love to know how do you envision a changed world and that could be through the lens of online marketplace or in general yeah okay <laughs> interesting question and i believe uh, it's actually connected so um, the reason why, in my view, there is a rush is really right now we're over consuming our planet. 
and we have all the consequences that's coming from that. And we're also creating an, an inequality that is uh, unacceptable and that leads to a lot of suffering. Um, so these uh, these issues, I think marketplaces can, can contribute to that in the sense that, um, that we can help facilitate trade and transactions in a way that is le less extractive, so less increasing uh, inequalities. We can also support projects through the marketplaces that help like providing a basic income, which I believe is an important tool to have. And we can support the diversity of, of projects that uh, are helping to make an economy more sustainable and to have products that uh, take less CO2 and water and so on for their production and for their consumption. And after all, and that's maybe the most important point, we can create an economy and a local infrastructure that is less focused on increasing our needs for more and more consumption, which basically Amazon for me is a consumption machine um, and not Amazon alone, um, that, uh, that is cr yeah, creating an ongoing rise in, in, uh, when, in demand and in, in useless consumption, if you want so. Um, and if we are able to, to focus on community value and on values that uh, don't rely on just spending more, having more um, and having, well, bigger products, uh, bigger cars, um, I think uh, that's where we really can make a difference. And that's mm -hmm. where we need to go. Beautiful. Yeah, it's so interesting because bigger corporations have this idea of limitless growth and so they're continuing to scale up for that reason. But you guys are scaling up in a different way. Like you're scaling globally, but on a local level, which is really interesting. Like you're just scaling up local businesses and local people, entrepreneurs, rather than... Um, doing it on such an international level that it cannot, the ethics can't be controlled. Um, so you're scaling in a different way because there is a need to scale up, but in what way do you choose to do it? At what cost, you know? Yeah, yeah, we're scaling an ecosystem that creates less needs and uh, more, more happiness. That's uh, what I'm exactly. working on and want to work on with the others. And I think uh, that's where the common denominator is with many other projects. And I think we're on, on the way there, um, even though the others are scaling the, the overproduction, um, at some point they will burn out and yes. the more sustainable ecosystems will take over. Yes, scaling to happiness. I love it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Felix. This has been a wonderful conversation and i wish Fairmondo the best of luck with all of the growth that's going to continue to happen okay thank you very much it's been a pleasure too cheers thank you so much for tuning into this episode i'm on a mission to get these little known solutions out to as many people as possible so please help me by sharing leaving a like and a review if you would like to stay in the loop about future episodes, please subscribe to the podcast or my newsletter at cooperativejournal.com.
I didn't say save the world, I said change the world, improve it, make it better than we find it.